How do you speak to yourself daily? Is it in a way that you would speak to your friends and family? Learning to speak kindly to yourself is a constant practice. And even if that voice inside may not be screaming kindness at every moment, you may notice it whispering from time to time. I'm Dr. Jessica Metcalf, and this is Speak Kindly, You're Listening. Don't forget to check out the book with the same name that inspired it all on Amazon, Chapters Indigo, and Barnes & Noble. With me today is Dr. Taryn McCarthy, happiness and prosperity coach, motivational speaker, podcast host, orthodontist, and mom. She guides high-achieving and ambitious people in healthcare to rediscover happiness in the pursuit of their dreams. On today's episode, Taryn will share about building better tools and being intentionally kind to yourself every day. We chat about emotions that are heading in a negative way and what to do when those moments arise. Here we go. Thank you so much, Dr. Taryn McCarthy, for being here with me today. And I just want to say thank you because you are an inspiration for me and with what you're doing and how you're changing the world. It's nice to know that there's other women who see the struggles that are happening behind the scenes and know that it doesn't have to be a struggle all the time. Mm. So I appreciate with what you're doing with the business of happiness. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I It really, it means a lot to me. And right back at you, Jessica, because I've been admiring you and your work for a while now. And, you know, I think one of the greatest superpowers that we have is when we can support one another and lean on one another when we need to and yeah. share with one another. And that's what you're doing. And so thank you to you. This is amazing. Keep uh, going, sister. We're yeah. doing good things. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? When you just said when we can lean on each other, it's very interesting because the podcast is about speak kindly and how you choose to speak to yourself. And mm-hmm. at times that voice can be so mean mm. because of the pressure that we put on ourselves, and having others there knowing that their voice can then be incorporated into how we can then choose to speak kinder words to ourselves is so important. And when you notice that, and you're chatting with other people on your podcast as well, do you ever find where there are moments in time that you even kind of catch that they're discounting their successes or they're underestimating their abilities? Absolutely. I mean, I think we all share in that to some degree. You know, I think there are times in our lives where, and I don't know if this is true for you or for anybody listening, where I actually thought that was a motivational source. Mm. Like if I get mean to myself, it's like a threat to make me do things better or harder or faster. (laughs) You know, I actually thought that was a superpower at one point. I would really use that as a tool. As an example, I love to run. I was training for, I don't remember what it was at this point. I think I was training for a half marathon and I was trying to get a faster time. And you know, when you get up and you're like, oh, I just don't feel like it today. Well, what I used as a motivational tool was a threat, literally speaking meanly to myself. Mm. And I think many men and women tend to do this. I don't want to say just women, but I think, Mm -hmm. you know, with body image issues or, you know, whenever something feels like it's a little bit difficult and we need more motivation, I remember feeling like threatening myself would get me there. Or 
belittling myself would get me there. Like, how dare you feel that way when there are people who have so much less? Or how dare you feel that way when there are people who don't have, you know, legs? And slowly that language becomes a little bit threatening. It starts out with maybe thoughts of feeling better than somebody else or feeling weaker than somebody else and using those as tools to get us to work harder. In fact, I remember when I was training for one of these half marathons, I actually had a song. In running, we like to use power songs, kind of that song you press when you just need to dig a little deeper, you know, you just need like a little bit more. And the song I chose, I'll never forget, was Lady Gaga's Bad Romance. And it's got a great beat. I mean, I love running to that song, but I chose it because of the words, because I was remembering I had a bad romance with my body, like threatening myself a little bit. Wow. And here's the interesting thing is it gets you so far and it's almost like that tricks us. If we threaten ourselves, it's, it actually works to a certain extent. And so, you know, we push ourselves, we have that bad, mean language and we push and push and push and we actually see some results. You know, you keep pushing through the pain, you keep pushing through the discomfort, keep pushing through emotions that are maybe standing in your way, push those emotions down and emotionally bypass, it gets you somewhere. And it almost tricks you into believing that this is actually working for you. Yeah. But there is a point (laughs) where you crumble, you know, where that language catches up to you, where that voice inside of your head of belittling you and berating you can really start to eat away at you. And sometimes we don't notice that until we've gone quite far in terms of eroding our sense of self-worth. And oh, I, you said yeah. so many powerful things there. <laughs> <laughs> like, Let's take a hot second to go back. One thing that so stood out to me because I did the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. I called that inner voice my best motivator ever. It's the thing that got me to where I am today. But one key word that you said was, I threatened myself over and over and over again. Did you notice that those threats or how mean that voice was changed based on when you were pushing yourself? So whether it was within dentistry or with family or with running, did it change And were the threats different? It's an interesting question. I mean, I think anytime the stakes got higher, whatever that meant in my mind, you know, I remember a time when the stakes were really high with my practice, you know, when the fear set in, when money seemed tight, when the Mm. scarcity mindset kind of took over, then yeah, then the threats would escalate, right? Kind of the more desperate I became, the more aggressive that voice became inside my head. And it worked to a certain extent until it started really tearing away at who I was. You know, as I say that, Jessica, I remember the day when I looked in the mirror and didn't know who I was. I didn't recognize that person looking back at me. And I think that what had happened in the decades leading up to it was me trying my best to change myself to accommodate to that threatening voice, Mm. forcing myself to comply to that threat, and also undervaluing myself so much that I wasn't worth seeing. 
anymore. I wasn't worth being that person anymore, trying to force myself to be someone else. And I'll never forget that moment when I looked in the mirror and it really was, I guess, a kind of body dysmorphia in terms of recognizing my face. I just didn't recognize my face even. I didn't recognize the woman looking back at me because she had been so altered from herself because of all the threats and all the changes I felt like I had to make in myself to be better, to do better, to be someone else. Whether it was from a place of, you know, dentistry, leadership, who I thought a good leader should be, who I thought a good parent should be, from parenting, who I thought a good partner should be to my husband. The voice that constantly told me I wasn't good enough was making me change who I was to the point where I didn't even know who she was anymore. Mm. And that was, I think, one of my first realizations that the voice in my head had actually been hurting me as opposed to motivating and pushing and inspiring me. It was more of a push than a pull towards a higher self. It was definitely a forcing of it. When you noticed that was happening and you were looking at yourself in the mirror, Was there a key point in time when all of a sudden it finally registered that, holy crap, this is what I've been doing? Or was it a gradual process that all of a sudden you started to hear and you're like, what am I saying to myself? I think it must have been a gradual process because I don't remember the exact moment. I remember the song. The song sticks out to me. I think when I realized what that song was that I was using as my motivation, I kind of caught myself in that moment, remembering the, that I was using it intentionally as a threat. And I remember thinking to myself, I would never do this to my daughter. I would never push her the way I was pushing myself with threats and demeaning language and telling her she's not good enough. And yet that was the tape running over and over on loop in my head, telling me I wasn't good enough. And What's so interesting is when I speak to clients of mine today and colleagues about speaking to themselves with kindness and loving themselves, so many of us have practiced the opposite for so long that it's so foreign, it's actually scary. (laughs) Extremely uncomfortable. Totally. You know, when you first start saying kind things to yourself and you start using language that's loving the way you would to your daughter or a best friend or your sister, when you start doing that, it feels like, oh, this is weird. This feels so uncomfortable and awkward. And that first resistance to it really lets you know how many decades and years in the past you've been practicing the opposite. When I started recognizing, wow, why is it so hard for me to even say nice things to myself? I realized, oh, I definitely have been doing this the wrong way. I really need to start practicing a different language inside my head. You hit the nail on the head with, we've spoken to ourselves so unkind for so many years that shifting the words that we use, the tone of voice, the pitch and the volume Mm -hmm. takes time. When would you say you finally started to believe the new way of speaking to yourself? You know, I think that it's a constant practice, to be honest with you, Jessica. I really do. I think it's a constant practice. I catch myself still having those whispers of negativity and 
abusive, I'm going to say abusive language, yeah. I still catch them. And now I've become so aware of them that I catch them faster and faster. They never go away from me completely. I think I had practiced them for so many years that I still hear whispers of them. But when I hear them, I choose a new thought. I have an awareness of it. Now I recognize after really practicing kindness and love to myself and in so many more ways than just the language, although the language is definitely the most powerful, that I've seen the power of doing so differently. I've seen how I show up differently when I give myself that self-compassion, that forgiveness, that love, the grace. I've seen the impact that has on the world around me. I've seen the impact it has on my success. It's so much more powerful. So for me, there's no way I'd ever go back. You know, there's no way Mm -hmm. I'd ever do it any differently. I show up in a better way for my patients when I treat myself with kindness first. Mm -hmm. Same with my kids, same with my husband. You know, I think it's such a different motivator now for me that I see it so differently that even when I hear those old whispers that come back again, I'm so assured of the power of self-compassion that it's my go-to. It's fascinating how our mind and our brain, the physiology behind it, because I completely agree with you. I don't think the whispers will ever go away. It's really reining that voice in at times. And I appreciate how you classified it as a whisper because there were definitely moments where that inner voice, which I like to call my inner gremlin, Mm. made its appearance and would just poke holes into my confidence. And that awareness initially used to come with, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm saying this thing again to myself because it felt like a broken record. And it's like, well, why can't I just turn off the record? Like, I already know I've done the work. I Mm -hmm. hear, I see, I hear, I know what's happening, but why is this so hard? And what you said resonated immensely with me in the sense that that voice will be there because it's been also programmed there for so long because it was the only voice for such a period of time. And now it's recognizing that when that voice comes up, the way that I like to view it is I thank it. I recognize it because now it's there. I'm like, okay, I know, I know what you're doing, but I can send it on its way. It doesn't have to be the only voice I hear because of how you described what comes next Yes, by that compassion and that grace. And so this is something that I would actually love to dive into is, do you ever notice on specific days if there are, if you haven't had a good night's sleep, maybe you stub your toe, whatever it is, where all of a sudden you're like, oh man, I know that inner voice is going to be really loud today compared to usual. Do you have those moments? Absolutely. And actually what I've also come to understand about that inner voice is it's just trying to keep me safe. Mm. When that, as you mentioned, inner gremlin, I love that term, by the way, (laughs) I like to think of it maybe as a cute gremlin. Let's make it a cute gremlin. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because really it's just trying to keep you safe. I mean, that's what our ego does, right? It's just trying to keep you from putting yourself in a place that's unknown, 
really Mm -hmm. that's where fear creeps up, right? So making you, when you're trying to stretch yourself in your business, when you're trying to stretch yourself in your love life or, you know, in your fitness and health, that little inner gremlin steps in just to keep you same and safe and small, essentially, because Mm. that's what we know, right? And so what I've started to do when I hear the voice is, I love what you said, thank it, because Mm -hmm. that really is what's happening here. And I even imagine it as a smaller, younger version of me, because that's how she started, right? And then I bring her along with me. So the voice will never go away, but we can make it safe for her and bring her along on the journey anyway, kind of like deciding who's going to drive this bus. Is it going to be my inner gremlin or is it going to be this person who's now realized the value and the power of self-compassion, right? So the inner gremlin shows up and I I love your idea of thanking her. Thank you for keeping me safe, but we're going to be just fine. Mm. (laughs) This is okay. We're trying a new thing and I've got you. Here we go. Let's do this together. So not trying to get rid of her, because as you said, I don't think she'll ever go away, Mm -hmm. but bringing her along on the journey to learn a new thing. Like, here we go. We're going to do this even though you're scared, even though you want me to stay small and stay quiet and stay same. We're going to grow and I'm going to take you along for the journey. And, you know, to answer your question about knowing when she'll show up, there are definitely core wounds in me. And every now and then I uncover a new one, (laughs) a new one that that kind of is one of my core wounds. And I do know that, oh, this is going to be a day or a moment or an event even that's going to kick her up a notch. You know, she's going to get a little bit louder. She's going to a little bit more protective of me. And that's when I know, okay, I've got to be so compassionate to her. Because when we talk about self-compassion, really, we've got to be compassionate to that inner voice too. Mm -hmm. Trying to defeat her or overcome her is actually doing more of the same, right? (laughs) Totally, totally. (laughs) So when we can love her for her mission, her mission is just to keep us safe Mm -hmm. and then bring her along anyway, then I think it gives me a little bit more of a sense of sitting in that driver's seat. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of letting her take control, I'm going to take control and I'm going to kind of put her in the seat next to me as opposed to trying to get rid of her completely. The way that you described the little girl or even the fuzzy gremlin at mm. times, that gives us that visual that it doesn't have to be as scary. Yeah. And when we can create that visual, so that's something that I actually do with my clients is I have them draw out what that inner voice looks like. Love because that. whether you're an artist or a non-artist like, like mm-hmm. me, and all of a sudden you can see that imagery that you've created on a piece of paper, it mm-hmm. doesn't feel as scary. It doesn't have to be as loud. It doesn't look as mean anymore. So whether you draw it out or you create that visual of that little child or a fuzzy gremlin or one of the monsters from Monster Inc., whatever it looks like at that point in time, right? Yeah. It then gives you the opportunity to be like, okay, you know what? I haven't had a good night's sleep today. You're likely going to be along with me for this journey today, but I see you. Mm. Thank you. And I've got this. We've got this. Got this. Yes. Mm -hmm. Do you ever notice that when that new voice is coming up, 
it can create an environment of new safety? Yes. (laughs) In the words of one of my mentors, Tracy Litt, change happens at the speed of safety. Mm. So what I know about change and about growth is that when we can create safety, it gives us space to grow. So it's almost like a give and take between safety and growth. Mm -hmm. And yes, I think that when we can make it safe for her to be seen and for us to take the wheel, we can create that sense of safety. So sometimes that voice comes up when we need something. Ooh, yep. Right? So you mentioned like lack of sleep or when Mm -hmm. we know that there's a little bit of an extra tenderness that we're going to you know show up with, right? Mm -hmm. That voice not only wants to keep us safe and sane, but it also wants to alert us to a need. And so she actually has a lot of information for us. And sometimes it's just, I don't feel safe, right? This is a big deal and I don't feel safe right now. I've got to mm-hmm. put up my defenses. I got to start threatening. I've got to start making you feel like you can't take this leap because it's not safe. And so I'll even have that conversation with her sometimes. What is it that you're trying to share? How can I hear you? You know, I think many of us grew up feeling like we were too much, too loud, too Mm -hmm. needy. And by loving that inner voice of ours and giving her space to be heard and seen and still find safety, we give ourselves once again that power to move forward. It's that voice that just wants to be seen and heard and actually has something that she sometimes wants to say. And when you were just talking about the fuzzy gremlin and drawing a picture of that fear, because that's what really what it is. Yeah. Another part of being able to see it differently, to get a different perspective that you hit on so beautifully with that is the sense of levity. So sometimes when this voice comes up, it feels very heavy and serious, right? We get very worried (laughs) about what's going on. Things feel intense and urgent. You know, those kinds of words all make us feel kind of heavy. I don't know if you're listening right now, you probably feel that weight in your body when I use those words. And when we look at her as a fuzzy gremlin or or cartoon character we drew on a piece of paper or a little child, it kind of reminds us like nothing's that serious. Mm -hmm. Nothing's that urgent. Really nothing is that urgent. And when we can add a little bit of levity, it lightens that heaviness for us. And we can get a better perspective. Oh, this is just my fear speaking up. Oh, this is just me being tired. Oh, Mm -hmm. this is just, we see it for what it really is, which is not such a big, monstrous, big meaning identity crisis. (laughs) It's just something that needs attention. It's just something that like a little um, indicator light. Yes. Yeah. I just need some sleep. It's not quite as heavy as you are making it out to be. So Mm -hmm. I like that idea of adding the levity, drawing the cartoon character and seeing that it really is just not as serious as we're making it out to be. Mm -hmm. I really like that for checking in with the need aspect of it and asking it at times instead of even thanking it and sending it on its way. It's okay. Let me listen to what you have to say, but I'm also going to be the judgment of whether or not I need to jump into that protection or safety aspect of it as well. Yeah. And this holds true. And I know we've used the example of sleep, but it could be 
you heading into pitch something or a presentation yep. or having an uncomfortable conversation with someone, whatever it may be, it gives you the opportunity to reflect, create awareness around it, and then adjust as necessary. We've talked about having that conversation with it. And initially, that conversation takes time. So I think yes. that that can be what one of the challenges are in the beginning is recognizing, okay, this isn't going to happen in a split second. And all of a sudden you're going to feel better. Right. And over time, that conversation gets quicker and faster and doesn't feel as heavy, but you kind of got to wade through the waters initially in order to be able to make that change. What would you give as an advice to someone who is really struggling with believing that new voice or mm. hearing those new words, what would you, what would you say to them? Uh, actually, I don't know if you noticed what I just did, but I just took in a nice deep breath. Yeah. One of the reasons why we put a deaf ear to that voice or we have resistance is because we're living in a constantly jacked up state, right? And so we're living in this fight or flight, sympathetic nervous system state sometimes for decades, which yeah. I sure was. I mean, I literally never took a break from my sympathetic nervous system. And there is no way in that state you can hear that voice of kindness and compassion. It really is hard to change your language or to receive that loving, kind, supportive language when you're in that place. And so to calm your nervous system down and to invite your body to step into a parasympathetic state is, for me, one of the most important ways. We've learned in this profession, and I think in business and in success and probably in our culture, to live from the neck up mm. and forgotten about how important the messages and the receivership of the rest of our body is. And I really think that that's where our block is, is when we don't allow ourselves to feel our feelings, feel our emotions, feel our body, feel our heart rate, feel our breath, and allow ourselves to just be more receptive and open to a new language. Mm -hmm. So once again, Jessica, this is a practice for me. It's something I have to practice every single day, not just once a day in the morning when I meditate or twice a day, you know, I used to bookend meditate mm -hmm. and then lived in a jacked up state all the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah, I feel know? that. Yeah, totally. And that's where the language would start slipping in. And that's where in the middle of the day, it feels ridiculous to high five yourself or to give yourself some grace or compassion when you've quote unquote made a mistake or you've said something that was out of alignment and give yourself some grace. I, you know, you kind of slip right back into that pattern of self-admonition. So I actually have incorporated into my day intentional breathing breaks. So it's one tool of how to regulate your nervous system. There's so many, but it's one that I can do when I'm in a busy day with patients and I don't have to, you know, I'm not tapping <laughs> yeah. or getting myself into a trance. I literally give myself five times a day. And I put them on my phone with alarms. But in the past, when I didn't feel comfortable doing that, I had a sticky note on my computer. And all it says is it's a reminder to breathe. And then I have just three to five deep, intentional belly breaths, you know, mm -hmm. or box breathing or any kind of breathing that you love to do to stimulate your parasympathetic nervous system. And it gives me a moment 
to just gain perspective again. And then I can hear that voice of compassion. Then I can feel and receive kindness to myself. And I'll tell you about a time when that worked recently in my practice. And when I noticed I would have done the exact opposite. So I had this wonderful woman. She had a bridge in for 20 years and she'd lost a lateral incisor and you know, a front tooth, her lateral incisor. 20 years ago, she's had this bridge. Now it's failing and we need to do something. So she came to my orthodontic practice from her prosthodontist who needed me to just align some things for her. But in order to move her teeth, of course, there was going to be a time we take that bridge off, that three-unit bridge in the front of her smile. We had multiple consultations about it, preparing her. We had the backup plan. We had the flipper. We had all the things ready for her. And on that day when she was with her prosthodontist and they took the bridge off, she lost it. And the way I found out about it was I came into the office in the morning. I think she must have been their first patient. And the whole office was on edge. Everyone was stressed out because someone had called and screamed and yelled at at somebody at the front desk. Mm. And, you know, we knew she was coming in and all the assistants were kind of playing hot potato, not wanting her in their chair because Mm. we could kind of feel this anxiety and stress that was coming to our office. And the next thing the front desk said to me, oh, she sent a really angry email. She wants you to read it before she shows up. I started to feel in my body those same anxious feelings, that quickened heart rate, the shallow breathing, and the voice, oh, Taryn, what did you do wrong? Where did you mess up? How have you not trained your team properly? Where in the informed consent did you make a mistake and not make it clear? And what follows for me when that voice steps in, because it feels a little better, is blame. Okay, who's to blame here? Which assistant messed this up? Which front desk person didn't use the right verbiage? Who am I going to be angry at now? I've become so aware of that bodily change, that indicator in my body when I get that anxiety back again. And Jessica, I used to live with that 24 hours a day. I never even knew about it until I started paying attention. You know, if someone's listening and thinking, I don't know what you're talking about, please know you are not alone. I didn't know about it for 10, 20 years in practice. But now I've become attuned to that sympathetic nervous system kicking in. And Mm -hmm. the language is one of my keys. When I start berating myself and start trying to find blame, I know what's happening. And so the first thing I did was take a deep breath. And it wasn't enough. So I took a little bit more. And then I have some other tools and EFT, tapping, emotional freedom Mm -hmm. technique. Tapping helps me regulate. Then I gained perspective. This woman was in a full-on trauma response of her own. Mm -hmm. That's all. She'd lost her front tooth. She was scared and mad. Her body was doing exactly what my body was doing, but on steroids, right? And I got my team ready. I said, we're just going to let her feel her feelings. She came in. She was very angry, very upset, but we had prepared for her. We knew she was going to be upset. We knew she was going to be in an emotional state. And we gave her space to just express herself. And I was able to regulate myself and not take it on as a mean voice to me. I could just let her have her space, be in her emotional state, let it out, let her fear speak and get it out of her system. I felt so empowered in that moment because I didn't make it about me. 
she was having a moment all about herself. You know, I think we forget that too in our profession is this is very sensitive for our patients. A lot of what we do incites a trauma response that we can't always explain, that they can't explain. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they just need to process it and it's no reflection on us. Once she was able to get everything out and I was able to regulate my nervous system, we could all calm down. She could calm down. And then I could say, I'm here for you and I'm going to help you. Then I could do what I knew how to do as a dentist and as a compassionate provider. It had to make sure I got out of the way first. Mm -hmm. Because in the past, that would have looked very different. I would have felt very anxious. I might not have allowed her to speak. I might not have allowed her to emote and get it out there. I might not have recognized that she was in a trauma response. I might have just blamed myself and then blamed everyone around me. Practicing regulating your nervous system, I think, is one of the most important tools as a medical or dental provider that we don't get taught. (laughs) Yeah. Keeping ourselves regulated is so important. And I think what we end up doing by default is just pushing through and not paying attention to our bodies. And in the meantime, they're giving us so many clues along the way. First off, I love everything that you just said, because within science, academia, really high functioning, high performing professions, we're just a bunch of heads running around. <laughs> That's, and it's the first time I heard that was Sir Ken Robinson. Uh, he gave a TED talk and he made a joke about it. He's like, if you go to dinner with a whole bunch of professors, he's like, it's just heads walking around the room, essentially. Yeah. There's nothing else that's going on. And what I attributed, and this is my opinion of it, is when you're in that profession, that high-functioning, critical thinking, analyzing, high-performance, the body stuff, the sympathetic nervous system, which is still science, is considered the woo-woo stuff. Yes. Right? And that is where there's a disconnect, mm. where we actually have to bring this back together. We can't just be bobbleheads walking around, right? Our heads connected to the rest of the body. And we know the words that we choose, that inner voice that can activate our flight or fight response, our stress response, but we can also deactivate it with a different voice. Yes. And so if we can come together and recognize that this isn't quote unquote, the woo woo stuff, there is science behind this then we get to step into an arsenal of techniques, whether it is, and you touched on, whether it's breath work, whether it's tapping, and you get to find what works best for you. Yeah, Same thing's not going to work for everyone, but you get to create a arsenal of techniques that are specific to you. I love that. And another thing you just mentioned was choosing a new thought. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing we don't learn in dental school or in medical school is that you should never believe a single thought that you have. (laughs) I'm serious. (laughs) We think our thoughts are all the truth and they're not. They're not. Sometimes they're just not true. Yeah. Taryn, this is all your fault. No. I mean, that's the thought that I would have all over and over. Taryn, you did wrong. Taryn, Mm -hmm. you messed this one up again. We get to choose our thoughts. 
And that sounds scary for some people. Wait a minute. I can't trust my thoughts. Well, the truth of the matter is we get to choose our thoughts. We get to choose what voice we want to listen to. Mm -hmm. We do not have to be slave to that fuzzy gremlin. Yeah. You know, because the fuzzy gremlin is just a compilation of old wounds, old stories that other people fed us, old language that we picked up along the way that was never ours to begin with. Mm-hmm. But things that we allowed to attach themselves to us. Like another visual I love is, I think, Jessica, you're a hiker as well. Like, you know, those mm-hmm. little, we call them hitchhikers. Do you know what they are? They're little no. um, seed pods that get stuck on your clothes. When oh, you yes. Burrs. 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 <laughs> yes. You know, when you go for a hike and then you come home and the dog has these furs <laughs> all embedded in her fur and you have it on your legs. That's what I think of when I think of this language that we've picked up over time. They're just these little hitchhikers that stuck to us. And for some reason, we made them a part of who we are. We called that language truth. And we never have to believe a single thought we think. It's just a little hitchhiker and we can actually choose which thought is more empowering. And when we live in this empowering language, as opposed to a disempowering language, we actually show up better for Mm -hmm. our families, for our patients, for ourselves. We actually can do better for people when we feel better about ourselves. It's not the opposite. It's not that when you beat yourself up, you do better. No, when you actually lift yourself up, you do better. Yeah. Yeah. I want to leave us with this question. How do you give yourself permission to speak kind words to yourself? I remember that beautiful little girl that I love, that little girl who was me, who had the enormous dreams, who loved and had so much compassion for the rest of the world who, you know, I often think about, it's interesting, even in terms of dentistry, like, remember when you were little and you loved science and art and you found this incredible profession to bring the two together and entrepreneurship and leadership, like that girl was so precious. Mm -hmm. She was miraculous. She had such big dreams and she had so many talents. And when I remember that she is me, I give myself permission. That's the permission I need is remembering who I am and not all these other identities that I put on myself over time or limitations or limiting beliefs I've established for myself, but remembering who she was and then speaking to her. When I speak to her with compassion, I can receive it. That's a powerful visual, really powerful visual. And Taryn, this conversation Initially, I was like, I don't know where we're going to go. And it just wove into everything that was needed in describing our inner voice, the connection with our body, and choosing to speak kinder words to ourselves and that it is okay. And we don't have to use threats and we don't have to beat ourselves up. Taryn, is there anything you want to leave the audience with? The one thing that we all need to hear over and over again is that you are not broken. I know many times in my life I felt broken. 
many times in my life, I felt like there was something wrong with me because it was hard for me to hear that voice of compassion. It was hard for me to accept her kindness, <laughs> to welcome the love, self-love. And I thought, well, there's something that's wrong with me or broken about me or injured that's not retrievable. And the truth is, you are not broken. And as, just as beautifully as you said before, if we could have given, fed ourselves this negative language, we can learn to feed ourselves positive again. The mind is so beautifully powerful. It's so cool. It does such amazing things. And there's nothing wrong or broken about you. It just takes a little bit of perspective, definitely. Sometimes someone outside of yourself to help you find that perspective and practice. You know, for so many years, we've been practicing the opposite. That frustration you spoke of earlier, you know, I've been doing this, I've been doing, why can't it not just sink in? It's okay. It just takes practice and perspective and a little bit of levity because none of us are getting out of here alive. <laughs> it's not, we're all, we're all just here for a short time. And so really you can't mess it up. You can't mess it up. You can only allow yourself an opportunity to have fun with it. And I think when we add that little bit of levity and permission for happiness, then it gives us a little bit more room to not make things so serious and heavy. Thank you again for taking the time to be here on Speak Kindly, You're Listening, because I know you are going to connect with so many listeners and helping them give themselves permission to speak kindly. I appreciate Taryn's outlook on life and passion to help others the way she chose to step in and help herself. Acknowledging that inner gremlin in a space of gratitude is no easy feat, but it helped unlock a new relationship with herself. And just as Taryn described, it gives you the opportunity to recognize and then assess what your inner gremlin is really saying. Key takeaways from today. One, Breathwork is an amazing tool to help you center and reflect on your emotions. It can be used in the moment when you feel those heavy emotions or anxiousness arise. My rule with breathwork is you have to practice in order for it to work during stressful moments. For example, you wouldn't show up to a rugby game expecting to win if you didn't go to practice. Same holds true to breathwork. Think of game time as that stressful event. You can't start to practice breathwork during the game. It's the practice outside of the game that makes it easier for game day. I mean that stressful moment. Two, how allowing space to feel your emotions will unlock new confidence. I can't stress the importance of understanding and embracing your emotions instead of shoving them down and hoping they disappear. Because here's the thing, they don't go away if you try to avoid them. They just come back with a vengeance in the worst possible times. Every episode will have a reflection question and this is yours for today. How will you give yourself space to feel your emotions to then practice breath work? Ah, you see what I did there? I put two reflection questions in one. When you have found your answer, send me a DM on Instagram or an email to info at drjessicametcalf.com. That's info at drjessicametcalfe.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. And when you hear your inner gremlin, ask yourself, would I say this to a loved one? And if your answer is no, then it's time for a reframe. Speak kindly. You're listening.